Hi, and welcome to the Reef Roundup podcast, where we dive into marine conservation stories from around the world. We're your hosts. I'm Graham. And I'm Tamara, and we can't wait to dive into this episode. Join us and meet some of the many amazing people who are doing exciting work to save the ocean for future generations, with a focus on restoration, ecology, and environment. We hope today's show is a wake-up call, but also brings you both hope and inspiration as you learn about the amazing work that's being done and how you too can be an ocean champion. Let's get started. In today's episode, we'll talk more about Danny's story, how she started the foundation, and also how you can get involved. So we have one-day programs where you get to learn how to clean the nursery and just we take you and you do the maintenance sessions as we would do. Um, Those are not practice sessions. They're the real deal. So you do actually come out and help us do the real maintenance that we have to perform on the nursery. Okay. You can also join for a day where you outplant coral, which is super amazing. Uh, This is a lot of fun because obviously what you're doing is returning the corals back onto the reef which is the ultimate goal of restoration. So I think that's very rewarding as well. Um, And then for people that are maybe students, or even if you're not a student, but you are interested in learning about coral, we have a coral specialist training. So you can spend as little as two weeks with us to a few months. So that's up to your availability and everything like that. But um, yeah, you can visit our website, utilacoral.org. And we have some links there where you can send an email and you can get like a quote and get some information. What, what kind of skill sets or certifications would people need to get involved in those projects? Oh, that's a great question. So because everything is done underwater, we do require people to have a certain level of, of dive experience. Okay. At the moment, if you have an open water certification and at least 20 dives, you can help with the basic maintenance and outplanting activities. Um, For the internships, we usually require advanced open water, um, just so you have a little bit more comfort with buoyancy and just overall comfort in the water. Just because we do require everyone to, you know, be able to handle themselves without hurting the coral and, you know, with to be underwater for a certain amount of time so you can perform the work. And, and for, for people who are close to being there, like maybe they have 15 dives or something, I'm sure you have partner schools uh, there yes. that they can get their other dives yeah. for their certification. Okay. Even, even if you have zero experience, yeah. because Utila, Utila is full of amazing dive schools and we are partnered with a few of them. So we can always refer you to a, a dive school where you can get your, get your certifications, you know, you can get your training and then join us on the projects. So don't let not knowing how to dive stop you because there's always a way. Awesome. Finally, as as like a a general topic, I just wanted to focus a little bit on the health of the ocean, you know, generally, specifically um, the Mesoamerican reef, which was a term I don't think I knew until I was in your lecture. And and if you could let people know kind of like, the the significance of, of that reef and its size compared to other reefs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then absolutely. Also, uh, just kind of like the health of the, the reefs in Honduras and, and what work yeah. needs to be done. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. So I think we, we hear a lot about the different pro- problems happening 
generally in the ocean, like you named a few, ocean acidification, the temperature warming, a lot of the different species dying, plastic pollution. So if you think of that, that's actually affecting everywhere. If we focus locally on where I work, so where I work is part of the Mesoamerican reef system. This, This reef system actually starts in Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula, and goes down the coast along Belize, a little bit of Guatemala, and the north coast of Honduras. Okay. It is the second largest reef system in the world, in case you didn't know. <laughs> I remember. Second, <laughs> you remember that, of course. Second only to Australia's Great Barrier Reef, of course. So it is a, it is a significant reef system. Um, there's four different countries that are trying to take care of it and work on it in terms of conservation, and it obviously gives back to us. Uh, in many benefits like fish protein, coastal protection, obviously the tourism attraction. So it is a significantly important reef system. Um, In the last few years, I think in the last 12 years that we've been actually studying it, we have seen that the, the health of the reef has declined significantly. If we talk about like specific figures, things that we're looking at is that coral species and coral cover is declining. So essentially what this means is that the live coral is dying. And this is happening because of all those problems I mentioned before. So the temperatures, plastic pollution, ocean acidification, and even locally because of people maybe stepping on them, building on top of them, you know, these Mm -hmm. things that happen day to day. Right. Um, And so, yeah, so the coral is actually the basis of the reef. So if we lose the coral, we're going to lose other things like fish, sharks, Mm -hmm. dolphins, turtles, because corals support 25% of all marine life. They're super, super important. Locally in Honduras, it was actually kind of tragic. In the last two years, we lost 50% of our fish, which was a very shocking figure. It's, you know, shocking to see that you lose that Uh, much. You you said five, five, zero, 50%. That's right, five zero. Okay. Wow. So half, wow. half of our fish wow. gone in two years. And we also have lost a significant portion of coral cover. It's only two to three percent, but that two to three percent is actually a very significant figure. So the decline is actually unfortunately happening faster than what we're able to do in our coral restoration efforts. So okay. we're not able to keep up with what we're losing. And there's more required to help the reef yeah. than just planting coral. Okay. You know, we're do, we're doing one of the one of the actions needed to yeah. help support the reef. But there's way more that's needed, you know, and if we talk about plastic pollution, we know that all of us can actually help in that respect. Yeah. Cuz the plastic consumption that we that we have day to day can actually be reduced significantly by choosing other products such as glass or even bringing your own containers to places um, and just like shopping naked vegetables rather than vegetables that are wrapped in plastic and other things. Energy use, because that contributes to the warming of the ocean, right? The more fossil fuels that we require, the warmer the ocean gets. So using less lights, just using the aircon for one hour, one hour less. Yeah. Or making sure if there's lights that you don't need during the day that you keep them off. So little things actually make a big difference. Okay. That's my little, my, my spiel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's always good to hear like, you know, for people who aren't 
living at the ocean or on the reef or working in this field every day, like the actions they can take that, you know, down the line actually do contribute to the health of the reef. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Thank you for those examples. Absolutely. And yeah. so now I get to ask some questions. If okay. I may. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. So I'm very interested because I always want to know why are people coming to me to kind of want to do coral restoration? So how did you hear about it? What makes you so interested in coral? And why? Why did you want to work with Utila Coral? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... That's kind of, okay. It's, it's it's sort of a long story. I'm going to fast forward through the initial part of it, but uh, but I first started diving about ten years before I met you. Um, okay. I, it was in Thailand, and I was teaching English over there for a year. And my okay. girlfriend at the time like dragged me to go scuba diving, which is something I like. It was not on my radar. You know, I was like, oh, this is a lot of money. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And I (laughs) instantly fell in love with it. And, you know, it's become initially my like favorite and, you know, biggest hobby. But then over the course of time, as I've seen with my own eyes, you know, reefs that I've visited during that time period, like in rapid decline, uh, it really has impacted me and I've just felt more and more like I want to be part of the solution. I was actually in Mexico. So, you know, on, on your reef, the Northern part of it, uh, (laughs) doing uh, my rescue diver course. And there was this moment where like the, the instructor had been telling me about, you know, I was asking her, I'd been there like a few years before and I just felt like there was way less fish. The coral didn't seem as healthy. I was asking her about this and she told me like that she's cried underwater sometimes revisiting some of her yes. favorite places and just seeing the sort of devastation. And yeah. and, and it just yeah. like really emotionally hit me. And I'm just like, you know what? Life is short. I want to do something to like help in this in this way you know because that's amazing that's how kind of my adventure started to interrupt you yeah um what are some of the changes you're talking about because i feel like we always say that like everyone always says including myself we always say like oh i've just seen the decline of the reef oh i've just seen how it's changing what do we mean by that like you as a as a diver what are some of the things you've noticed you know, like the the thing that first impacted me the most, and I didn't really have the knowledge to to speak about what this meant, was just like yeah. within a course of like, you know, three or four years visiting the same place in Mexico, I just felt like the color of the reef was gone. Like, like it, yes. what had been such a colorful and like, you know, all these different like popping colors um, and just kind of like a, a, a liveliness in, in like the fish and the interactions just felt like it was gone. And I didn't know why, you know, and I, I couldn't yeah. quantify it, but I just saw it. I felt it. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're what you're describing is exactly what we see in numbers, which is, you know, the, the, what gives the, the reef its color is coral. And so when you're losing that color is because you're losing that coral. And the fish as well, the liveliness, the the sounds of the reef. I don't know if you've ever been to like a super healthy reef. It's so it's so noisy. Yeah, so noisy. Yeah, it's so <laughs> noisy. And then when it gets quiet, that's when it 
gets terrifying because that's when you know that there's not a lot of things on that reef. Right. So okay. yeah, so good. I'm glad you noticed the biggest change of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. Sadly. Um. Then I I I went on to you know do a dive master in Thailand that was focused on coral reef restoration and went on to another program in Malaysia and then COVID happened and I got pulled back to the U.S. and I was just like on the edge of my seat yeah. waiting for something to open and finally Honduras um, was one of the first countries to open. Uh, <laughs> so I finished my you know dive instructor certification there and then also of course you know did a couple days with you uh, with the yes. Utila Coral Foundation. And so do you think that what do you think of the project? Do you think that I mean obviously we're still we're still a little bit small. I'd say that any restoration project in its first few years is still in diapers. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, yeah, what do you think? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I I think I always feel the feel the sense of like this incredible joy when I'm doing like, you know, the coral gardening, uh, which I've done yeah. a couple other places as well. And just like I'm being part of the solution, but also, you know, there's that there's that part of your brain that also says like, but on the scale of the need, like what, like what contribution is this? And, you know, like, so am I, how can I do even more? You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I feel everybody working in conservation struggles with because the road is really slow. It's full of obstacles you sometimes don't see any reward for the work that you're putting in for years. And you also feel like your contribution is so small, but at the end of the day, like we're one single person is not able to do everything. So that's something that we have to remind ourselves and just know that your little bit adds up to everyone else's little bit and something Mm -hmm. is getting done. It would be worse if nothing was getting done. Of so at, least, at least we're moving in a direction, you know, yeah. in a direction. We don't know what direction that is. We're <laughs> moving in a direction forward. It's hopeful. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, I would love to wake up tomorrow and solve everybody's problems and the world's problems. Of course. Of course. You have to know the scope of what you're capable of doing. And I yeah. think that just by you participating in the project, by you doing this sort of podcast where we can talk to a lot of different people and they can hear about what's going on. That gives me hope that one or two people will be like, hey, let me go check it out and let me go help. Or, hey, I'm going to not use plastic tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I was actually kind of inspired recently by something a friend told me. They're like, look at all of human history. And then it was really just like when we tapped into fossil fuels that everything just yeah. kind of like, got beyond even our scope of like knowledge of what we were doing and how to control and just the fact that it happened so recently and that we weren't really conscious when we were doing it but that now that we're becoming more conscious like we have the power to turn things around that made me feel like okay we're not humans aren't just like a horrible (laughs) species like period like we can maybe (laughs) fix this you know yeah absolutely yeah i think so i think so as well i all we can do is hope and, you know, do our little bit. And yeah. Yeah. Try to go to bed with a full heart knowing that you tried your best. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so a couple more questions before we kind of um, okay. wrap up. I have one which is going to maybe feel a little sad, but then we're going to end on a happy note. So. Okay. <laughs> but but I, I was wondering if you could just describe an experience um, under the water where you felt like sadness just to like be there seeing what you were seeing. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. So to add to all the different threats that coral reefs are facing, there's this new disease called stony coral tissue loss disease. Okay. And it started killing a lot of coral in Florida back in 2014. And it's been slowly spreading throughout the Caribbean. It's actually considered an epidemic for corals because it's wow. affecting so many of them at the same time and killing a lot of them. So it's, I feel like in tandem, we're going through our own pandemic and they're going through their own epidemic and it's a little bit sad. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, now it's reached Honduras. It's not in Utila yet, but it's in its sister island of Roatan. Oh, wow. And I was there in December and I was just, I was crying underwater. It really? Was, it, really? Was, it was devastating to see colonies that are thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah. Like no joke, they're they're taller than me, taller than most people. Yeah, just gone in a matter of weeks, gone, yeah. absolutely gone, and nothing that we're doing is is slowing down the spread. Yeah. Um, they're treating it with antibiotics and stuff like that, and it's helping only some some colonies, not everything. Okay, so I feel like that is one of the few times if not the only, where I felt complete hopelessness yeah, and just devastation and sadness and emptiness, all those things. It was absolutely okay. horrible. And I dread, I dread the day that that disease reaches Utila because all my favorite dive sites, all my favorite corals to look at, yeah. I don't know if they'll survive. Most likely they won't. So yeah, that's my unfortunate answer. <laughs> Yeah, and that that's a big one because it's you know like <laughs> how, how do you, how do you wake up the next day or you know by the time it's been you know maybe a couple months since December and and when that happened like how do you wake up and keep hope and keep working like one of the few things that gives me hope is the fact that the species that we work with on the on Utila Coral Foundation they are not susceptible to that disease. So they will, they will not die because of that disease. They're susceptible to other diseases. But so I know that at least the work I'm doing that our organization is doing, it won't be affected by that one particular threat. Okay. It's affecting everything else. But I mean, it just is the one thing I'm hanging on to. It's my little silver lining. Yes. Um, but most of my favorite coral species I know are going to be in trouble. But you, it's, it's what we were saying before. You, you, can't, you can't lose hope. You have to just kind of become a bit automatic in what you do and just get up and be like, Today's, today we do this. Yeah. And you just keep going because you know that not doing anything is worse. And, and really, that's what pushes you. 
Wow. Well, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's heartbreaking, <laughs> and I really, you know, have to just say how much I admire you for having that attitude, which I think Thank all you. of us can learn from. Because yeah, it's it's hard to feel you know, lack of hope in moments and, and do you wake up the next morning and keep doing the work and, and thank you for being an inspiration in in that sense. Thank you, Graham. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. That means a lot to me because, you know, I don't feel that way every day, but I try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just try to keep, to keep it going. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then (laughs) switching, switching hopefully to the other side of the spectrum. I was wondering if you could share like a particularly magical experience that you've had while diving in Honduras. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Okay, this is one of my favorites as well. Um, We were on our way to do maintenance on one of our sites where we have our trees and dolphins appeared. You know, being on Utila that Dolphin sightings are. I never saw them, but I but I heard that they happen. Oh no! Okay, (laughs) sorry about that. That just means you have to come back. But (laughs) yes, they they are they are quite common, and so they're so playful. These are wild dolphins, which you know no dolphin should ever be in captivity. I'll just plug that in. Yep. These are wild dolphins, and they just become so playful. And we we got into the water with our dive gear. And the dolphins just followed us and they stayed with us underwater for like 10 minutes. None of us had cameras because of course, (laughs) but we were surrounded by them, surrounded by the trees and surrounded by the dolphins. And they were just like doing circles around us. They would swim straight at you and then, you know, go up and turn around. And it was like seven of us and we were surrounded by like 10 dolphins. No way. It was amazing. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I can die happy now. This was yeah. the most magical experience <laughs> I've ever had. So needless wow. to say, we didn't even want to do maintenance the rest of the time. We <laughs> were just right. like, let's play with dolphins. Where are they? Come back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so I guess days like that also keep you going. For you sure. Get the, you get the good with the bad and you For see how sure. magical the ocean is and how it's worth saving and yes. worth, you know putting all your effort into protecting it yes yes wow Th- thank you for sharing that i i i'm jealous but uh i <laughs> i i agree like i think i think pretty much everyone who has spent much time under under the water has definitely had at least a few really magical experiences that just make you giddy almost like you're you're a child again and you're just experiencing like something for the first time like that's really amazing so absolutely well I hope you come back and so maybe you can have that experience with me as well because that would be amazing (laughs) I plan I definitely plan to come back at some point so definitely yeah all right so in closing um can you just, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but uh, if you could just mention again how people can uh, find out more about the project, uh, follow you online, and any last words that you want to share with folks. Just a big thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you guys will fall in love with Coral just a little bit, just as I did. Um, and yeah, you guys can follow Utila Coral Foundation on our website, utilacoral.org. 
or on social media at Utila Coral. We are on Facebook and Instagram. So look us up. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate your time, Daniela. Thank you, yeah. This was so much fun. So much, so much fun. fun. So For much fun. Thank you. So that wraps up our latest episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you wondering, where is your amazing co-host? We actually recorded these first couple episodes and we're still figuring out early show logistics. And so those ones, you only are hearing my voice. However, going forward, you're going to be hearing both of us in all episodes. So If you've been missing out on Tamara, don't worry. She's coming very soon. Just stay tuned in. Our next episode will be coming out in two weeks. We're excited to have Bob on the show, Bob Sevenzer. He is doing mineral accretion technology, which basically translates to growing corals at super fast rates, bringing a lot of hope for reviving some of these ecosystems where we've just seen a lot of loss in a short period of time. So make sure to tune in two weeks from now. It's going to be a fantastic interview. Have a wonderful couple weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Reef Roundup podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to add us on Instagram at Reef Roundup for news about the ocean, inspiring stories, and more. You can also find more about us as well as our guests at reefroundup.com. We release a new episode every two weeks. See See you soon. soon.